We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. We help men deal with the life changes triggered by divorce, such as child custody and property division, among many others. But life changes also occur after divorce. These changes can make parts of your existing court order irrelevant or harder to follow. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. We're a partner men can count on. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. You are listening to Rotoviz Radio, a fantasy football podcast, with your host, Matthew Friedman. Hey everyone, I'm Matt Friedman, Matt of the Oracle of the Action Network in Rotoviz. Welcome to a special edition of Rotoviz Radio. Today we are talking about the Pittsburgh Steelers. In between the NFL Combine and the draft, I'm interviewing beat reporters for every franchise, 32 teams, 32 beat writers, and 32 episodes. We're covering team needs, free agency draft rumors, basically everything between now and day one of the draft. For this episode, I'm joined by Jacob Klinger, a Steelers beat writer for PennLive.com. In this episode, he talks with us about the futures of quarterback Ben Roethlisberger and running back Le'Veon Bell in Pittsburgh, the team's significant need at inside linebacker, and the optionality the Steelers have with the number 28 pick. Before we get to the guest, I'd like to remind you that you can get a listeners-only 30% discount to a Rotoviz NFL pass through the NFL podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. Your subscription gives you unlimited access to all the premium NFL content on the site, and it supports the pod. All right, let's get to the guest. Please 
please welcome to the show Jacob Klinger, a Steelers beat writer for PenLive.com. You can follow him on Twitter at Jacob underscore Klinger underscore. Jacob, thanks for taking the time to talk with us. Hey, sure thing. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's a fantastic time of year. The draft is just about two weeks away, and uh, let's jump into it. The Steelers, uh, it seems as if everything kind of... Uh, for the last decade or so has revolved around the fact that Ben Roethlisberger is the quarterback at no point in the Roethlisberger era has the team had a losing season but for the past few off seasons he seemed to be unsure about whether he's going to play uh, for the, the upcoming year uh, given that fact is the team looking for a quarterback in this upcoming draft um, I think at least as much so as they typically do and that they you know they do scout the entire draft um, I'll put it to you like this. It it would make more sense to me than it has at any point in the last decade plus for the team to pick a quarterback this year uh, than any of those other years. Do they seem to be satisfied with the position group that they have behind Roethlisberger? Well, here's the problem is that is is not so much that Roethlisberger has said he wants to evaluate year to year and the team wants, you know, a longer term commitment. That's that's, you know, at the crux of it. Um, but the greater problem here is that the Steelers only signed Landry Jones um, to a two-year contract before this previous season. So he becomes a free agent in 2019, and I don't know if you've seen the NFL quarterback market. It's pretty awful. Um, and Landry Jones, who's displayed competence, um, is likely to, to get priced out of Pittsburgh uh, as, as decently as he has played in his few appearances. So that leaves the Steelers with Josh Dobbs, a guy who they picked up in the fourth round last year, was a bit of a project, uh, but was never really good enough to dress for a competitive game for the team last season. Uh, there are some, some serious concerns about his ability to throw the ball where it's supposed to go, uh, having seen him in, in camp and elsewhere. Um, so after Ben Roethlisberger, after this season, uh, there is quite possibly literally no one the Steelers would want to play in the game. Yeah, uh, that'll be interesting to see. Uh, do you think that the team, I, I don't even know, if it's likely for someone like Lamar Jackson to fall to the 28th pick in the first round. But if he fell, do you think the team would entertain the possibility of drafting him? You know, Mike Tomlin said something a couple of years ago that I thought was interesting. He said, you know, of course we do look for, they, they acknowledge, you know, position matters. Um, but he said, listen, when you see a guy that's special and you let him and you, and you don't pick him, you're always going to regret that. So if the Steelers do think Lamar Jackson is that good, regardless of how badly they need him this season, yeah, I think they could take him at 28th overall. Now, to your point, I don't trust the NFL, NFL teams collectively to let a quarterback fall that far. They just don't, they don't have that self-control when it comes to quarterbacks, however good or bad of a year it is. And this is supposed to be a good one for quarterbacks. Um, I, I could see him getting plucked up before the Steelers even get on the board at 28th overall. Mm-hmm. Let's transition to the running back group. Le'Veon Bell has a uh, precarious contract situation or uncertain contract situation. The team added James Conner in the draft last year. Is it possible that the team could be looking for another mid-round back to add this year in what is a pretty good group of running backs? I think they could go even higher than that. You know, excuse me, at the start of, at the start of this offseason, it seemed very clear. The Steelers would probably draft an inside linebacker, uh, draft a safety if they got rid of Mike Mitchell, which it was always looking like they might. 
Um, and uh, and kind of take it from there. At this point, I think it's gotten more scrambled uh, because of some of the moves they've made in free agency. And I wouldn't be surprised if the Steelers even um, took a, a running back in the first or second round. Um, I, I, Le'Veon Bell has made it very clear that if the Steelers and and himself do not agree to a multi-year contract for the July 17th deadline, he will sit out all of camp and play on the tag. If that's the case, this is this is the last go-around for Le'Veon Bell in Pittsburgh, and the Steelers need a, a running back of the future. And kind of like the quarterback position, it's clear to me that person isn't on the roster right now. Wow. Uh Okay, so with that in mind, let's say Darius Geis is sitting there at pick 28. Do you think the team would really be interested in taking him? Sure, sure. I mean, look, a lot of it depends on how many of the top inside linebackers have gone off the board. Um, if the Steelers still think there's a guy they can hold their defense around, um, then then they go there. But typically, that's a position that gets that gets pretty dry pretty quick. You know, in the first 15 or so selections, uh, this year could be different with with the number of quarterbacks and, and first round draftable running backs out there. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I think I think they have to. There's I don't think they have to, but I mean, I, I think it's something they have to consider um, because there's only so much the Steelers can do to gain leverage with Le'Veon Bell. He's not becoming any worse of a running back. His stats aren't changing between now and the July 17th deadline. Um, you know, he his stance may soften, but there's only so much that Steelers can do to soften. And saying, hey, listen, here's here's our guy for the future. If, if you're not about it, um, it is one of the only tangible things they can do. Of course, that could backfire, but the Steelers do have to look out for themselves. And I think the Steelers probably does not include Le'Veon Bell after 2018 if things proceed as they have at this point. Mm-hmm. The team looks pretty set at wide receiver, Antonio Brown, Juju Smith-Schuster, Martavis Bryant, but the tight end unit with Jesse James and Vance McDonald is relatively unproven. Is the team looking to add more pass catchers in the draft? Absolutely. And look, I mean, the most dangerous of the of the tight ends the Steelers have right now is probably Xavier Grimble. Uh, he's just never really ironed out the consistency to get on the field, to get downfield, to make the plays that he that he has and he can, um, to some extent, that he's, that he's proven in games and even more so in practice. Um, but no, I just do this. This is what I'm saying, man. Like, I really, really, really thought at the beginning of the offseason, like, okay, inside linebacker safety, take it from there, maybe tight end. But now it's pretty wide open. Like, there's, there's five positions where I wouldn't be shocked if the Steelers took a guy early on. Uh, I think I just saw NFL draft analysts reported that um was it um Dallas Goddard is, is is coming to to Pittsburgh at some point so mm-hmm. um no I mean they have to be in for the tight ends because again you look at the contract situation Vance McDonald is is a veteran with injury problems who's got a fairly uh backloaded contract it picks up you know a million or so dollars um in these next couple of years and Jesse James is, is his contract is up after the season beyond that you know you don't really have any proven everyday starters and, and it's the jury's still out enough Jesse James can even be that for, for Pittsburgh in the long term out of the the tight end so there might be three or four who could potentially be in the mix to be the number one tight end yeah. taken do you have a sense as to uh like you know the team's uh inclination for one of them no n- n- not at all <laughs> yeah I mean because they they have taken you know tight ends in the first round, in the third round, like they've they've spent at points some premium capital on the position. Yeah, I mean, look, it's going to be important that whoever they pick is able to block. And I know that sounds silly, but there's a lot of tight ends who are just large people that you split out 
away from the formation these days. The Steelers can't really rock with that because of the way they like to play offense, because of the way they like to move the ball, utilize Le'Veon Bell, or whoever the next receiver, is, uh, next running back is out of the backfield. Um, you know, you can't just have a one-dimensional uh, tight end. So, um, and that cuts both ways, obviously. You don't just want some, like, lumbering guy who blocks but can't get open. Um, but you also need a guy who's going to be able to, to go up against some of the better defensive ends uh, in the league and, and, and get it done there. So, um, no, as far as I've, I've you know, personal preference or super deep insights from inside the scouting department, don't have them for you. Won't pretend to. Um, but it is really important that, that the Steelers, whoever they pick at that position, if they pick anyone in that position, um, be able to hold their own on the perimeter. How does the team feel about its offensive line? Um, I think, you know, they've got to be fairly comfortable uh, at this point, but, um, you know, it is worth noting that Ramon Foster's deal, I believe it's up after the season. Marcus Gilbert's deal has, has two more years left. Chris Hubbard, you know, went to the Cleveland Browns and he was a big depth piece for them. So, um, BJ Finney becomes a restricted free agent after the season. He was the backup center and guard. Uh, so again, I think, you know, it's a position that's in play or a series of positions that's in play, but I don't see see it being so until, you know, pretty deep on uh, in day two at the earliest. Um, as far as depth goes right now, they've got, they've got Gerald Hawkins, the 2016 fourth-round pick out of LSU, and Matt Filer, an undrafted guy at Bloomsburg State, the D2 school uh, over here in Pennsylvania. And, um, you know, in addition to BJ Finney, that's kind of who they're working with as the backups. It'd be nice for them to get a, I don't know, more of a project inside or or a, a swing tackle for the future. But there's also reason to believe that Gerald Hawkins might be that guy. Mm-hmm. You mentioned a couple of times the importance of inside linebacker. Um, I think that's, you know, the big question for this defense. It was a different unit last year after Ryan Shazier's injury. Assuming he doesn't return, uh what are the team's plans at inside linebacker? Uh, in, like just in terms of how it could cut both ways. One, assuming they're looking in the draft, I'm assuming that they're also looking in the first round. But if they can't find someone in the draft, what are their plans? I mean, they, they did sign John Bostic, who's been a bit of a journeyman, but has started games in the NFL uh, and done so in mass. Uh, I think he kind of splits the difference for them. They were never really going to be able to afford the top, top inside linebackers, I don't think. Um, so I think at this point, you know, if nothing changes in the draft, which I'd be shocked if that were the case, they'll sort of piece things together. Bostic will play alongside Vince Williams, but they might rotate a guy like LJ Ford um, in there in passing situations or, or Tyler Matikevich in, in particularly obvious uh, goal line situations. Um, and, and Bostic, you know, might just fill in the blanks. Um, as is, though, I really do expect the team to, to draft someone fairly high at that position. And I just, it's just, it's very, it's much, it's much more difficult for Ryan Shazier and his family and everything. But as far as the Steelers want to shift things personnel-wise, I mean, they built a defense around this guy. And there are only so many people on this planet with that combination of skills that, that allows you to do that, to do defense, frankly, the way the Steelers want to. And um, there's no there's no easy work around there. It's it's going to test the Steelers defensive staff and Mike Tomlin, um, maybe more so than, than any particular challenge they faced in the past few years. And uh, the pressure is on them to do so because they have a clear and shortening Super Bowl window. And the defense has to be at least competent for them to win it. On the defensive line, the team is strong with Cameron Hayward and uh, Stefan Tuitt uh, at the end positions, and then Javon Hargrave and nose tackle. But Bud Dupree is yet to really have a breakout season, and T.J. Watt, although he flashed at points last year, he's still just a second-year player. 
is the team in the market for an edge rusher or someone else along the uh, along the defensive line? Um, in the draft, I'd say you know they maybe pick up an edge rusher, but I think it would be late on. Um, the X factor of sorts there for me is Anthony Chicolo, who is a restricted free agent. Um, he has yet to sign his original round tender, excuse me, um, but I think he will. That would give them three pretty solid outside linebackers. The, it'll be interesting to see if the Steelers do offer Dupree the, the fifth-year option, but they can always revoke that at any point. Um, they're pretty deep up front, too, with L2 Wallen and Tyson Alamalu. I, I could see them picking someone up there, but it would it would it's not going to interfere with the, the grander draft plans you and I have already discussed. Sure, sure. So the, the team hasn't made many free agent additions this offseason, but one of them was safety Morgan Burnett, who's a versatile player. He can line up as a traditional strong safety, as a dime linebacker in the slot. Uh, he looks good as a safety, I think, with Joe Hayden and Artie Burns on the outside at corner and then Mike Hilton in the slot. Is the team pretty much set in the secondary? Yeah, I think so. I mean, don't rule out Cameron Sutton, the guy they already have who they picked last year in the third round, uh, to compete for a starting spot um, or even get on himself in dime packages. But no, Burnett, Burnett is definitely a good good get for them, I think, considering where we thought the safety market might be and where it ended up. Steelers have to feel pretty happy with what they got and what they paid for Burnett. There's an easy out for them after this year. If I think they have a replacement for him already, uh, a cap hit and everything. So I um, I think they really, really did some fine business there. Getting Burnett, and hey, he could be part of the solution in terms of accounting for the absence of Brian Shazier and working in different uh, personnel sets. As you said, he can be he can be that dime backer and um and that, you know, would allow the series to mix mix things up on a couple different teams week to week, month to month throughout the season. Mm-hmm. So picking so late in round one, uh, is it really just kind of best player available? Uh or are there any particular first rounders who would really fit well with what the team is looking to do? Um you know I, I don't know. You're right. It's just, and the Steelers are basically in this position every year, somewhere between 22nd or so and, and 28th. You know, I think last year maybe they were 30th. Um, but no, you're right. It's it's so hard to predict, particularly with their needs this year. You know, um, in years past, it was easy enough to say, okay, well, they need an outside linebacker. So they'll probably get the fifth or sixth best outside linebacker, whoever that may be. Um, the year before, you know, it's easy enough to say, oh, they need a cornerback. Uh, it'll probably be, you know, the fourth or fifth best back, whoever that may be. It ended up being Bud Dupree and, uh, and Artie Burns, respectively. You know, T.J. Watt came on last year, same sort of thing. Um, but this year, no, there's it's, there's no clear, yeah, that guy um, makes sense to me sort of pick out there, which which actually I think makes the draft more compelling. Um, but if you're a serious fan, I guess it also makes it more confusing. Right. So, so many people focus on day one, and that makes sense, but people kind of forget about the importance of uh, the second day and, and also the third day and, and, you know, the supplemental players that come in. Are there any guys, kind of regardless of uh, where they might go in the draft or the position they play, but any guys who for some reason kind of seem to stand out as maybe like, potential kind of quote-unquote like Steelers type of players mm, I'm not yeah I, I hear you um it's particularly tricky with the inside linebacker position because whether it be in the first round or you know the fifth um just because I, I don't it's hard to find guys that can cover sideline to sideline but you know I kind of like this Marcus Allen out of Penn State as a potential you know safety supplement thing is his draft stock appears to be rising if he's a hard second round pick I don't think the Steelers can really get him 
Mm-hmm. Um, but if he fades to lower second um, or third, you know, they've got a shot there. It does hurt them not having a fourth-round pick this year. It's just a weird, weird slot to not be able to draft him. But um, I think I think they'll be okay um, just in terms of being able to compensate in the fifth. Uh, but, no, I mean, it's 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 really hard to pinpoint fits for the Steelers this year because they are so close, you know? Mm-hmm. All right, Jacob, this has been a lot of fun. One final question here. Mike Tomlin has had a good run in Pittsburgh, but there are always people who question him. Uh, why hasn't the team won more games? Is he getting the most out of his players? All of that. How secure do you think his job is? Or I guess phrased differently, what would it take this year for him not to be the head coach next year? Uh, to answer questions that was first phrased, his job is extremely secure. Art Rooney II has gone out of his way to make that uh, inordinately clear. He has a, just signed a contract extension before last season that keeps him with the team to 2020 uh, at least. Uh, and listen, he has the best winning percentage of any Steelers coach in franchise history. He has the best winning percentage of any Steelers coach uh, in franchise history at this point in their career. So he's the first to 100 wins. Um, he has never had a losing season um, in his time in Pittsburgh, and his, and his team's always finished the season well, which tells me he's never lost the locker room. A difficult thing to do in the NFL. For him to lose his job this season would require there be some uh, absurd off-the-field scandal. Um, there's, you know, barring the team just completely collapsing on itself uh, due to such a thing, um, I have very, very, very many difficulties seeing the Steelers in 2019 without Mike Tomlin being their head coach. The criticisms of him um, are, are outsized and, and tropish. There are reasons to be critical of Mike Tomlin, um, but let's not insult his or anyone else's intelligence by suggesting that he doesn't understand football to the extent that he actually does. All right. Fantastic. Uh, great insight. We hope to talk with you again as we get closer to the season. Hey, bye-bye. just finished speaking with Jacob Klinger, a Steelers beat writer for PennLive.com. We covered a lot. Here are some thoughts I have on our conversation. We started by talking about quarterback Ben Roethlisberger and his future with the team. He could leave at any point. Um, He's playing this year, but this really could be his last year. Of course, he could play for another two, five years, right? He could, he could play for a long time. Um, but the team has a lot of uncertainty behind him. Landry Jones hasn't been horrible as an NFL quarterback. There's a lot of continuity with him and that he has been with the team his entire career, five years to this point, uh, entering his sixth season. He's completed 63.9% of his passes. And when he came out of Oklahoma in 2013, he had pretty good numbers. He looked like a potential future starter. The problem is that although he has been decent, he hasn't been great or really even very good, and he's already 29. You could just kind of mentally compare him to someone like, you know, Garoppolo with the the Patriots and what he showed there, and Garoppolo is still young. You know, Landry had a chance to be a Garoppolo type of player someone who developed behind a Hall of Fame starting quarterback and uh, you know, really kind of got opportunities to flash as a 
part-time starter or, you know, an injury fill-in. And then, you know, as a free agent, uh, could have signed with a team or, you know, maybe would have been traded to a franchise uh, because his market value was so high. Uh, That wasn't the case with Landry Jones. He, you know, looked like an okay backup, uh, you know, the few times he had to start behind Roethlisberger, but he didn't look like anyone that a team would really want to have as its starting quarterback um, when he was a free agent. You know, the league treated him basically like it just treated A.J. McCarron. It had limited interest in him. And he ended up re-signing with the Steelers, which is, you know, probably the smart move. But, you know, it seemed like the Steelers were really the only team that had a lot lot of, uh, you know, strong interest in him. And I wouldn't say it was even all that strong of an interest. Uh, It's just, it you know, it made sense given the market value. And then given that the team needed a backup behind Roethlisberger, it made sense to to bring him back. Um, so if this is Roethlisberger's last year, is the team really going to hand the offense over next year to a 30-year-old backup with middling production? You know, and, and if not him, uh, Josh Dobbs, you know, I mean, Dobbs has some potential as a dual-threat quarterback who played in the SEC and he had some success there, but he's really raw. But I mean, there is a lot of there is a lot of potential there. He has great athleticism, four point six four second forty time at the combine. He was great in his jumps. His uh, his agility was fantastic. Not just for a guy of his size. I think at the combine he was six uh, three two hundred sixteen pounds. So decent size, not great size, but decent size. But his agility was good. Not just. For a guy of his size, his agility was great in general. 6.75 second three cone time, right? Fantastic agility. And you could see that in college based on his ability to to scramble, but then also his ability to, to move around the pocket a little bit. So he's athletic and he's smart. He was an aerospace engineering major at Tennessee. You know, like really one of the smartest guys probably in the NFL, or at least his intelligence, uh, was, uh, was manifest in what he was doing in college. That's not always the case. In fact, it's rarely the case with a lot of guys in the NFL. Uh, he, you know, reportedly is a likable guy, a good teammate. He completed 61.5% of his passes at Tennessee. Um, you know, so like if the team has done a good job in developing him and it continues to develop him, you know, maybe could he be like a lesser Lamar Jackson? Probably not. Right. He doesn't have the, um, he has a higher completion percentage than Lamar Jackson, but he doesn't have the raw production, both in terms of just his rushing, uh, his rushing production. And then he also doesn't have the, the raw yardage, uh, in the, the touchdowns, right? Lamar Jackson, although he didn't complete as many passes, he had more yards and more touchdowns, right? He was more explosive as a passer. So, you know, there's potential there with Dobbs. Um, And I think it was sharp for the team to draft him and, and to see what they potentially have in him. But the team really could use a quarterback of the future. Uh, And that guy probably is not on the team right now. 
and they probably won't be able to get one in the draft. On top of that, there is a big problem for the team that I think has kind of gone underreported. People know that it could be a problem, but I don't think anyone is actually acting as if it will be a problem or I don't think the market is appropriately factoring in the odds of it being a problem. And that is that Todd Haley, the offensive coordinator, is no longer with the team. Now, you can say what you want about his reported volatility and how he clashed with players, specifically quarterback Ben Roethlisberger, um, but the guy could coordinate an offense, right? He did it in multiple places. The Steelers have had one of the best offenses under his watch. Uh, you know, the Killer Bees era in Pittsburgh has been fantastic. They've had one of the best offenses in the league. Um, and even though the team is now using quarterback, uh, quarterback coach Randy Fitchner as the OC, it doesn't mean the offense will still be the same or run as smoothly. Like the thing is that, that Fitchner, and I wish I actually knew how to pronounce this guy's name, Fitchner, Fitchner. Randy F, right? He preceded Haley in Pittsburgh. He's not one of Haley's guys. He has no experience in the NFL as a coordinator. He has experience as a play caller in college, right? In the 90s and early 2000s. That was a long time ago, right? He's never been an NFL play caller. Roethlisberger reportedly likes him, and that's part of why he got the job. But the offensive players on the Steelers are volatile, and it's easy to be liked when you are not the one who's actually making the decisions. Like, let's see if Roethlisberger actually continues to like him whenever he makes some calls that the quarterback doesn't agree with. Right, so in the long term, the Steelers probably have a problem and that they have no clear replacement for Roethlisberger. And they probably have a short-term problem in that uh, the guy who ran their offense, which was a very prolific offense, that guy is no longer with the team. And the guy replacing him has no NFL experience as a coordinator or play caller. Those are two really big things. And then, of course, there's the running back situation. And I think the running back position is overvalued. I don't think I'm saying anything um, that you wouldn't expect me to say. Um, but I still think that the Steelers will suffer without Le'Veon Bell in the future uh, if it comes to that. And I think it probably will come to that. Um, this will probably be the last year that he's with the team. And the guy behind him on the depth chart right now, James Conner, uh, I like him. You know, he was productive at Pitt. He's got a great story, but he's probably not the Le'Veon replacement. Uh, Jacob seemed to think it was possible that the Steelers could draft a running back early, potentially as early as round one. That is interesting. Uh, in the most recent mock draft I did at Fantasy Labs, I really toyed with the idea of having Darius Geis go to the Steelers um, because he, you know, fell down my draft board. Not in terms of what I think his value is uh, or how he could produce in the NFL, but just in terms of the teams picking ahead of the Steelers, what their needs are um, going into the draft. It's possible that guys could fall uh, and be available in the second half of the draft. Uh, 
you know, but I figured the Steelers have Le'Veon Bell and they just spent a third round pick last year on a guy. Would they actually spend a first round pick on another running back this year? I think it's un I think it's unlikely. It would it would be unconventional. Um, you know, but if they if they value that position and they think that it's important to have a running back of the future um who can be a high volume guy playing next to their, you know, their Hall of Fame quarterback within his Super Bowl window, uh, assuming that Le'Veon Bell is going to be gone next year. You know, and then especially if there aren't some other players on the board, then yeah, they might go, they might go with Darius Guys. Um, you know, if he's available, he would likely be one of the best players on the board. Uh, so Geist to the Steelers would be interesting. In the first mock draft I did, uh, I had the team taking Tremaine Edmonds, right, in the first round at number 28. Uh, this was before the combine. It was before the process had really started. Now, I don't think he'll be there. Um, but they need an inside linebacker, right, as Jacob mentioned. Um, there are four first-round worthy inside linebackers, Roquan Smith, Tremaine Edmonds, uh, and then Rashawn Evans and Leighton Vander Esch. Smith and Edmonds, I think, will be gone within the first 15 picks. Smith, maybe the first 10. First eight, maybe. Um, and I think Edmonds will follow, you know, relatively soon after that. You know, I'd say 10 picks after that, maybe, um, as like the 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 outer limit, maybe even five. Um, but Rashawn Evans and Leighton Vander Esch, those guys could be there in the second half, right? One of those guys might fall to 28. But it really depends on what a few teams in front of the Steelers decide to do. There are several teams in the middle of round one who could be looking for an off-ball linebacker, right? The Cowboys might take one. They have linebacking issues. The Patriots might do it, right? They definitely had linebacking issues this last year. But let's say if the Cowboys draft a wide receiver or the Patriots draft an offensive lineman, Right, they definitely need one. Or, you know, maybe Lamar Jackson falls and the Patriots draft him. Right. However it works. It's possible that a very good linebacker, a good off ball linebacker, could fall to the Steelers at twenty eight. And if that happens, he's the pick. Right? Uh if I had to pick one of those four who is likeliest to fall, I think it might be Vander Esch. And I, I think he actually fits what the what the Steelers want to do pretty well. Um big guy, very athletic. I think he could and he can also rush rush the passer. You know, good side to side, uh sideline to sideline guy. Good enough in coverage. Like I think he would actually fit really well. Maybe better than Rashawn uh Rashawn Evans. You know, I think it's just a question of whether he falls. I think if Bander Ash is, is there, he is easily the pick, right? But that might not happen. Um, so if that doesn't happen, what do they do? They are in this dead zone for the first round, right? Picking 28th near the end of the, uh, of the order. You know, the class has some depth at defensive back. Defensive tackle, 
and interior offensive line. But as Jacob mentioned, those aren't really huge needs for the team, which is unfortunate, right? So maybe they go with a tight end. They could get a good tight end there, right? Maybe the top tight end in the draft. And right now, in my most recent mock draft, I have them taking a tight end. And it is the top tight end. Let me rephrase that. It is the first tight end off the board. I don't think he's actually, I have them going with Mike Gesicki. I don't think he's actually the number one tight end on the board, right? But that is the guy that I think they would maybe want if they had their pick of all of the tight ends. And I could easily be wrong on that. Um, You know, I asked Jacob and, you know, he just flat out passed. Um, You know, Goddard. So of the four, Dallas Goddard, Hayton Hurst, Mark Andrews, and then Gesicki. Of the four, Goddard is interesting. I think he's the best. Um, I went with Gesicki, you know, coming from Penn State, so a local guy. Uh, They've recently seemed, they being the Steelers, have recently seemed to want move tight ends like him. You know, they had Ladarius Green, and then they traded for Vance McDonald. It seems as if they want to give Roethlisberger a guy who really can move all across the field and be a very high-level receiving tight end. You know, it seems as if that is what Roethlisberger wants, or that is at least what the team has tried to give him. Right, and Gesicki is in the mold of Green and McDaniel, as uh, or McDonald, rather, as a guy who can move all around the formation, super athletic, right, tore up the combine. You know, as a runner, as a jumper, you know, as an agilityer, just made up that word, trademark. Um, you know, a, a an all-around fantastic athlete. So he's the guy that I slotted in. But Goddard, he's in play. Jacob mentioned that it is important if a tight end is drafted highly for the team for that guy to be able to block. And Goddard, of those four, has the most potential as a blocker and as an all-around three-down tight end, right? So Goddard could be the guy. Um, But, you know, it's wide open in terms of who they take early on. They need a tight end. Um, You know, they want a guy who can block. So maybe that would be Goddard. Um, They have a lot of ways they can go in round one. I mean, even just the first few rounds, they have a lot of options. I think that's good um, for a a team in general to have a lot of options, uh, especially if you are seeking value, because hopefully you can be in a position where you match value with need. Um, that's always the the best case scenario. Um, in terms of what the Steelers are looking to do, I think the best case scenario, like the long term best case scenario, um, well, I mean the true best case scenario is Lamar Jackson falling to them. Um, I don't think that's going to happen. So I think the like the real best case scenario um, is that they can get a starting inside linebacker in round one. They get a good tight end in round two, and then they get a potential heir to Le'Veon Bell in round three. Um, and I know, again, they just spent a third rounder last year on a running back, but uh, I don't think Connor is the guy. Um, of course, none of that addresses the need at quarterback. Um, you know, but 
I don't think they're really going to have the opportunity to get a first rounder. I think the quarterbacks after the first round really don't have um, clear franchise quarterback potential anyway. And then finally, you know, the team needs to maximize its Super Bowl window while it has Roethlisberger, you know, maybe even while it has Bell. And then definitely, and I didn't even talk about him at all, while it has Antonio Brown still playing as one of the best receivers, if not the best receiver in the league. So, you know, they need to address the quarterback position at some point. It's probably not going to happen this year. Um, you know, but if they are truly looking to maximize their their uh, short-term Super Bowl window, it, you know, it, I hate to say it, it might be best for them not to address the quarterback position anyway, but uh, they will be playing with fire. And that's going to do it for this Steelers-focused special edition of Rotoviz Radio. Be sure to check out the episodes for all the other teams on Rotoviz and the podcast feed. I'm Matt Friedman, Matt F. The Oracle. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you for listening to this special edition of Rotoviz Radio, the flagship Rotoviz podcast. Special thanks to Hassan Rahim, the producer for this episode, and to Colin Kelly, the assistant executive producer for the podcast channel. Please review the show on iTunes under the Rotoviz Radio feed. Contact us via email, rotovizradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think, and follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the show by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the NFL podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. Grand Canyon University is Arizona's premier private Christian university committed to providing next-generation education. GCU offers over 200 academic programs, many in high-demand fields across nine colleges. We keep our rigorous curriculum relevant by partnering with industry leaders and advisory boards. Earn your degree online, in the evening, or on our vibrant Phoenix campus. Find your purpose at GCU, where advanced technologies drive education. Private, Christian, affordable, nonprofit. Visit gcu.edu. Hi, welcome to the Subway ad for $2.99 subs. How would you like it? Uh, I'll take Drill Sergeant, please. You got it. All right, now listen up. I want each and every one of you to drop and give me a six-inch meatball marinara. Cold-cut combo. Veggie delight. Or black forest ham on your choice of bread with any veggies you want for just $2.99 each. Subway! Make it what you want at participating restaurants. Additional charge for extras plus applicable tax. No additional discounts or coupons may be applied. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.